0: The other night I came down, uh, sat down next to my wife on the sofa and I opened up my laptop and I smiled because right there was a picture of the two of us just a couple of months after we first met. Hmm. And um, that's a good love story in my mind. It's had a long, great run. It's not over by any stretch, but it was just a wonderful reminder of God's many, many gifts to us over the years. Well, there's nothing like a good love story. And uh, Greg and Erin, uh, how about you? You've told your love story before, but how do you like to recount it? What's What are some ways that really are, are wonderful for you to reflect on that?
1: So often, you know, when we speak, we tell our love story and how we met, you know, praying in class. And actually, Greg was sound asleep in class in college, <laughs> yes. and I woke him up to try to help him. But, you know, so we tell these stories when we speak, but we'll also tell them like sitting around the dinner table with our kids and our kids just laugh. They think it's so funny, but it's just it is we we realize that we tell these stories all the time with just what we do.
0: It's a good way for us to remember as couples when we tell those stories that I love this person and I want to keep the love there. But sometimes life kind of crushes that out of you. It, it, it makes it difficult. And uh, let's go ahead now and hear from Pastor Kevin Thompson, who shares about a concept called staying
2: in love, which is something we all strive for. Here's Kevin with Jim Daly. Staying in love really is a choice. I I mean, you know, 70 years like Eugene and his wife, that's a long time. Um, It helps to look back at that moment when we fell in love. And I think you recall a special moment with uh, Jenny, about your first date in the book, what happened? Yeah, First date memories, I love no, these. That's,
3: that's exactly right, and, and so I was a pastoral ministry major at Oklahoma Baptist University with a, with a minor in psychology, and so I was actually taking a, a family intimacy course at that moment, which is hilarious to look back on now. I, I would love to sit back through that now, right? A 20-year-old kid, what what yeah, yeah. did I know, right? I'm sure you could pontificate. <laughs> oh, there's no, no doubt. So, but I remember reading in that class that idea that generally speaking, women tend to make the first touch. That that is that tends to happen. I don't All know. Hold a hand, true touch an arm. Yeah, some yeah. kind of touch of some sort. And and that the man needs to reciprocate that. <laughs> and that there's this kind of intricate dance that's going on that couples aren't really even aware of that <laughs> anybody listening who's who's not married currently on their next date they'll notice, right? And so I asked Jenny out, we went out uh, downtown Oklahoma City, we walked around for hours, it, it was beautiful. And I'll never forget, we were, we were talking and I made a joke and she hit me, kind of just, you know, just kind of punched me, just very lightly, playfully. And so we kept on walking and suddenly it hit me. Oh wait, she just touched me. I have to touch her back. <laughs> there, there has to be some way <laughs> to touch like her back. It was like this mental yes. decision. No, that's exactly right, you <laughs> touch <laughs> her back. Class had taught me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly well, right. touch her back. So I just look for just a, a, a touch on the shoulder, right? Very right. easy. But it's interesting looking back on that of the power of non-sexual touch mm. and the importance of that a- and how that really kind of goes back to friendship. It really does. That, that idea of touch goes back to friendship. It-, it plays into the intimacy, no doubt. But you think about it. I mean, if, if I make a great putt on the golf course, my buddy's going to high-five me, right? If, if I'm grieving, my, my friends are going to embrace me. And so there is this necessary uh, non-sexual touch that I think if couples would increase they would then see the intimacy increase. And notice what's happening. If, if you wanna be a better lover, generally speaking, how do you do that? Become a better friend and a better partner. That's right. Build the foundation and the walls. I'm not saying it goes just that easily, but generally speaking, for the average couple out there that's in a decent marriage and they want it to be just a little bit better, what they need to be thinking about is friendship. I say in the book that skittish is the opposite of sexy. Right? Skittish, what does that mean? There's no trust. And whenever I think about these roles, friendship is built on this concept of trust. Partnership then is built on the idea of respect. Well, if you have trust and respect,
2: Intimacy can be pretty good, but if either of those two aren't present, you're in trouble. And we're right near the end, and that was really the next question, the five keys, and you've mentioned a couple of them, the five keys to saving your marriage, which you list, and and I'll read them, and then you can just give us a highlight or two. Humility, respect, mercy, communication, and resilience. So, I mean, they're right there in the book. These are, I think those are really strong. Uh, Let me just pick one, resilience. How does resilience in your marriage help you have a long-term committed marriage, a lifelong marriage?
3: It it is this idea of we're going to make it, whatever it takes. No matter what. Whatever it takes, we're going to make it. Now now notice what that means. Because a lot of couples think we're going to make it, but then they're not willing to to go get counseling. They're not willing to go to Hope Restored. They're not willing to to take the next step. Whatever it takes— means that I'm not gonna care about my appearances, I'm not gonna care about my reputation, that literally I will sacrifice everything in order to make sure I do whatever is necessary for Jenny and I to have a successful relationship. And that is our mindset. And so what that means, if we have a problem, we're gonna go get help. Well, we're in a small town. What happens if somebody sees us? Well, they see us. (laughs) Good. So be it. Yeah, I like that. And so it is this idea. We have have a counselor that's down the office in our church hallway. And and I'll, I'll tell couples on occasion, you need to go see this counselor. And sometimes they will say, oh, I can't. I can't walk this church hallway with all these staff people and then see us go in. And I always tell them, you know what we're thinking in that moment? Good for them. Good for them. They're getting help. Well, I don't sit back and judge go, I wonder why they're walking in there. I think to myself, there's a thousand reasons why I need to be walking in there. (laughs) Right, that's a better attitude. And so resilience really does mean to me that we're going to do whatever it takes, which means we're going to confront the true issues in our relationship and and not push them aside because we're going to do whatever it takes to make it.
0: I so appreciated uh, what Kevin Thompson had to say. Greg, it takes work. Um, How do we stay confident rather than pessimistic and and how do you do that personally in your relationship with Aaron
4: Yeah, we decided a long time ago that we're going to remove the word divorce from our vocabulary. So we don't joke about it, we're not sarcastic with that word. We we really don't use that. I think another thing that we do that I really enjoy doing is that we'll say to each other, "Hey, I'm with you till the end." Hmm. And and what that means to me is that Aaron is saying, you know, it doesn't matter what's going to happen, we'll, we'll figure it out, we'll work through it, because I'm with you till the end. I always tell Aaron that I know that she loves me, but actually, what's more important is to know that she likes me. Hmm. So even her saying, "Man, you're one of my best friends," or if not my very best friend, I like you. I mean that that just that that solidifies that that commitment. And, and it causes me just to know that that doesn't matter what's going to happen. Not only are we going to stay together, but we're going to figure out ways to actually enjoy each other mm-hmm. and be best friends. Yeah. Yeah. In,
1: in order to do that, we need to make sure that we're repairing things within our relationship. So it's not like we're going to live in la la land and just, you know, take divorce out of our vocabulary. And, you know, I'm with you to the end it means that on a daily basis, we are doing the work of continuing to build a close connection mm. that feels good to both of us. And that's important. And so when something happens and it doesn't feel good to one of us or to both of us, we talk about it after the fact. We don't try to talk about it in the moment mm. because anyone who has read any of our stuff, here's how it goes in the moment, especially <laughs> early on in our relationship. But you know, just continuing to grow as individuals and just um, really be intentional about not letting resentment build.
4: You know, I think, too, another another thing that we've learned to do is, you know, a lot of people have bucket lists. So as an individual, this is what I want to do before, you know, I kick the bucket. Well, we actually have that as a couple. And there are places that we want to go, things that we want to do someday. You know, like go to the, the Holy Lands is a big one that we've talked about. And when you have these dreams that we're looking forward to, that that's another way that we keep our commitment strong together. I mean, we we look for ways to minister together as a mm. couple. Again, Erin has her own calling as a counselor. God's using her in mighty ways and, you know, I have my individual callings, but but we've really worked on figuring out how can we use our marriage to help strengthen others or to bless someone else Mm -hmm. and i think when we do those kinds of things when we look into the future that's why actually john there was research done that that showed um things that helped keep a couple together for the long term Mm -hmm. and remember aaron Mm -hmm. one of the things that they found is when they bought long-term appliances together i was
1: thinking of that as we were talking about this and i was like what was that research yeah and they found that couples that invested in more quality long term appliances were more likely to stay together because they had a vision for the future. Okay. Yeah,
4: we're gonna to be together for twenty five years, so we so, need yeah. to find something that we can use for that of long Of course Isn't today crazy? it doesn't
1: seem like appliances <laughs> yeah, last quite right. so long. I wish I could go back <laughs> to the original washer yeah, and dryer let's that we find had. Oh <laughs> something
0: that works longer than two years. Yes. Well, there are a lot of little things along the way, and thank you for sharing you know, some of uh, your own insights on this. And certainly we heard some great ideas from Kevin Thompson. Uh, if you'd like to hear the whole conversation with Kevin, we do have a free download. It's called Embracing Your Role as a Spouse. Uh, look for that in the show notes. And look for his book, Friends, Partners, and Lovers, What It Takes to Make Your Marriage Work. Uh, We've got that available to you when you make a generous donation of any amount to the Ministry of Focus on the Family. We're listener-supported. We need your contributions to continue on with great podcasts like this one. And so please make a monthly pledge as you're able to or a one-time gift, and we'll say thanks for joining the support team by sending that book from Kevin Thompson, Friends, Partners, and Lovers. We'll have all the details in the show notes. And next time, we'll be hearing from Gary Thomas once more about loving your spouse in a godly way. And uh, for now, on behalf of Aaron and Greg Smalley and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.